Thanks for joining us at Praise Chapel. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with Pastor David Tijerina. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Praise God. Appreciate your faithfulness tonight. Praise God. Pray for the Holy Spirit just to continue to move in this place. Revelations chapter 22 and Ezekiel 47. Teenagers, tonight I want you to pay attention. Put that doggone phone down. Adults, put your phones down. I want revival in our church. I want to see the power of God move. Praise God. There's a couple people over here that are excited for, for revival. And... You know, I, I wonder if God ever just looks at us and just shakes his head. God, <laughs> I'm I really want revival. I, I was so stirred last night. We went to a leaders conference at, at, at HP, and I want to tell you, it was just a powerful word of God. And the worship team, uh, uh, I was like, man, our worship team gets in competition tonight. I mean, you just felt the anointing. You felt the power of God. I was like, man, I was like, I was, I was even moving a little bit. Right? Just getting ready to do the. <laughs> it was real good. But I want to really, really contend for revival. We had our first. Uh, Facebook live prayer meeting Monday night. I want to tell you, there was people on it. I was like, oh my God, praise the Lord. And so I think a total for the, for the one hour slot, I didn't even know I was on there for an hour, just praying for people in needs. We saw a total of 68 people come in and go through, the, through that one hour. And then afterwards, people just kept logging in and, and the prayer was over, but they were still checking out the prayer. And, so, and I was like amazed. Uh, but we saw a healing on, on actual uh, prayer the, during that one hour. Uh, gave a word to someone and just a lot of, just a lot of prayer going on. So I'm going to try it every Monday night. Usually at 9 o'clock we got a women's discipleship class this week uh, also. So I have to do it a little bit later on. And so we'll, we'll announce the, the time. But Revelations chapter 22 and Ezekiel. And actually let me look at Ezekiel. 47, 1 first. It says, then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river go will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. And so, in Revelation, John gets a little bit more intimate. And it says in Revelation chapter 22, verse 1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God. So it went from the temple. Now he's getting more intimate. It's coming from the throne. Something's flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the middle of his streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, 
Each tree yielding its fruit every month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. So I'm looking at this. And I said, there's something coming out from the throne and flowing on, uh, uh, I believe, to us. And I believe tonight that's revival. I believe, believe it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the river of life or the river coming from the throne. It's the power of God coming upon us tonight. How many know where revival is, there is life, there is change, there is love, there is power, there is mercy, there is grace. You can feel people changing. That's what revival does. It's more than just a church service. It's more than just a Bible study. It's more than just a, you know what, let's have fellowship together. But I want to tell you where there's revival, there's people repenting. There is weeping. There are changed lives that are happening all around. And here the Bible is telling us where wherever this river touches, it lives. It is revived. It is refreshed. It brings healing. It brings revival. It's a powerful river. In, in Psalm 65, 9, says, you visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The, the river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. It changes whatever it touches. How many know revival? How many know the Holy Spirit is a living force? Here's the river of, of revival that, that wants to come into our lives. Uh, how many know rivers, uh, as they're going down, they change things? How many know the rivers overflowing in, in the Midwest right now are changing things? They're flooding. And, and how many know that those people will never be the same again? And that one is in, in, in a bad sense, but I want to give you a picture of that where the river of life comes and flows, it begins to change, it begins to transform, and it begins to bring life. I want to tell you, when people are in the midst of a church of revival, they will never be the same again. And I know one thing, church, and this is for sure, that the river goes and is directed by God. Not by people. There's nothing that I can do up here that's going to change the river of God. God flows where he sees fit. In Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. I mean, no, God can cause revival to come upon our city right now. God can cause revival to begin to sprout out here in Paramount and begin to spread out throughout Los Angeles and California and the United States. How many know the only way the United States is going to be touched is through revival? Not a mega church. How many know the biggest, one of the biggest revivals in the United States started in a barn in Azusa Street that changed the city? I believe that river wants to flow through our city. And it's up to you and I to grab it. It's up to you and I to jump in. It's up to you and I to contend for it and to want it, to maintain revival. Say, God, turn your river towards us. We want to see revival. So you begin to read about 
rivers. They're, they're formed from springs or from melting snow. How many know uh, they were saying that this year it's the most snow that Big Bear and the mountains around Los Angeles has seen in years? Uh, a 10-foot uh, snowstorm. That's a lot of snow. So they say finally the, the lakes around there are finally going to be filled and there's going to be new life at us. You know, the article says like new life because of the, the river that is formed from the melting snow coming from the mountains. It's forming. And it begins to tunnel. It begins to channel. And it's pushing things out of its way. See, something about revival and something about rivers. As more water begins to build, it, beca- it begins to become more powerful. It begins to move things. It begins to leave its mark. It begins to become more powerful. It gets deeper. It gets wider. And the more water flows, the the wider and the deeper that it gets. It becomes powerful. It becomes non-stoppable. I want to tell you, a church that is excited for Jesus cannot be stopped. I want to tell you, young people that are on fire for God cannot be stopped. Praise God. Somebody get excited. Praise God. We got here in the front row. The question is, and by the small claps that we got, how much of God do you want? Honestly, ask yourself, how much of God do you want? Well, as long as it's not football season, Pastor, I want all of God that I can get. You know, Dodgers are coming up, man. You know, uh, I want God, but uh, you know what? My, my kids' little league, Pastor, you know, I want God, but. And how many know that but disclaims everything that you just said? See, in Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, the Bible says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall to stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. He's saying, let me paraphrase it for our time. He says, I look for a man, I look for a woman that will stand in the gap Saturday mornings and would contend with their brothers and sisters for the land, but I found none. He says, I thought for a man that would stand in the gap Tuesday night. He says, I was looking for leaders, Bible study leaders that, that, that want to preach on Friday nights and get out. But, but, but I, I found, I was searching from Tuesday night, but I found none. He says, I was searching for someone that would drop to their knees at night or early in the morning and begin to contend for their land. Oh, God, save Paramount. Oh, God, save my kids. Oh, God, save our nation. But he's saying, I found none. Because we're too busy. I'm included. I'm not just preaching. I'm included in this. Ask my wife, I don't pray half as much as I used to. Like I used to be, it used to be my guy. Here he goes, he's going to pray, watch out. I used to lock in my closet. I think I watch more TV than I pray now. I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, that's, I, I'm being honest. I'm going to be repenting here in a minute. But it's like, could you imagine if we gave God half of the time that we watch TV? 
There's parents, and I'm not saying there's parents in here, but there's parents that want to see their kids, kids saved that are backslidden, and yet they're not praying for them. He says, I sought for a man. We say we want revival, but when God searches, he can't find anybody. See, God wants to pour out his, his spirit in these last days. How many believe we're in the last days? See, when we're Christians and we believe that, and yet he searched and found none. We want to see a revival, but he has to find a people that is willing to flow with him. I mean, no, when you jump, I, I, I'm from Michigan. We have some rivers up there, man, that they, they go. And you know what? We were dumb when we were young. <laughs> I remember one time, this is no joke. I didn't know how to swim, folks. But everybody was jumping off the bridge. Guess what I did? <laughs> I jumped off the bridge. I come up in that curve. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to hold my breath and pray for the best. <laughs> and the river took me to the edge of a waterfall. So luckily, it wasn't that deep. I was able to stand up, and it wasn't that, that high that, at that time. And so I was able to stand up, and oh, dude, God. <laughs> if I knew about God, I would have probably repented right there and then. But how many know you have to jump in? How many know you can't fight against the current? You're not going to get anywhere. See, God's looking for people that's not going to fight against the current, but are going to go with his flow. Yeah. Praise God. We got a couple people here. Hallelujah. Hey, can you all check see if the speaker's on back there? They might not be on back there. Something's going on here. See, God wants to pour out his spirit, but he can't find anybody that really wants to jump in and flow with his spirit. How many know it's not about me? See, the problem with churches, we, it's all about me. They want to hear me preach. They want to hear, oh, they want to see me pray. For, oh, they want to, just get off the stage. Let the power of God do what he's got to do. How many know God could do more without me getting in the way? He said, just speak and get out the way. God wants to pour out his spirit. He tells us in John, I don't want to read the whole scripture, but he wants uh, 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 rivers of living water flowing from us. Because he knows that this river will touch and will change people. It says from those who believe, those that have faith. How many know faith is action? How many know faith is not speech? Faith is action. Those who pray, those who witness those that lay hands on people, those that labor, those that follow up, that's what God is looking for. See, as I'm, I'm putting this thing together, God wants to move. But one thing about rivers is they take the path of least resistance. They hit a rock, they go the other way. They hit a, rock, a, 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 a tree, they go around it. I wonder how many churches God has just gone around. Because how many know we want to be in control? I want to be able to manage what's going on here. I want to have my hands in what God is doing. You know what I call this? You know what? One of the biggest 
restrictors of rivers because we don't want it to flow where it wants to is man has developed dams. Have you ever heard of dams? They just stop the flow of the river. And once in a while, they'll open up the chute and let a little bit of water go through. And then they close it up. Okay, that's enough. So I'm going to show a quick video. It's only two minutes long. But this is about uh, uh, the border. And this is when they allowed, one first time in five years, they allowed, they opened up part of this dam. And, and let, let's just see what happens. Let's go ahead and, and play it. Are we ready? Good? I hope that we don't forget about the power of God in our lives. Because how many know there's a lot of churches that become dams? That only when they want to allow a little bit of freedom, they open the gates and you feel the power of God. He said within minutes, uh, those things begin to move, that little krill. It's like, whoa, water. And they're excited. They're coming to life. And then they shut the gate off and they say, you see it just drying, just going. That's many churches in the United States that, that they dam up and they think, I can control God. We don't want it right now. God, you know what? Right, not, not right now. Because how many know revival is disturbing? You begin to see drug addicts coming in. You begin to see prostitutes coming in. Remember uh, one time I'm preaching and, and I have two prostitutes fighting outside my, 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 my door. We're in downtown Gordina, baby. I, I'm like, oh. And so what did my wife do? She goes out there and starts witnessing and God, one of them took off running. She grabbed the other one, starts sharing the gospel with her, brings her in and prays with her and leads her to the gospel. That's my crazy wild thing. Babe, why are you chasing prostitutes outside? What's the public going to think? But that's what revival does. But then all of a sudden, we, we begin to see too much live. Oh, close it. We just want to preserve our little community. And we begin to get religious. Instead of bringing conviction of the Holy Spirit. How many know the gospel changes people, not the preacher? I don't care how good, how much education he has, what college he went to, what Ph.D. he has. There is nothing that that man can say or do that will change people's lives without the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you, I can, I can become a motivational speaker. I will get people stirred and stirred and stirred, but then they'll walk out just the same way they walked in. That's not the gospel. The gospel is you come in here and you're going to walk out a different person. That's what the gospel is all about. Uh, I don't want to become a dam for the church. I don't want to become the dam. The second thing that happens, and I want to look at 2 Kings chapter 6 here, but another thing that happens Is as we're living for God and we're trying, I mean, no, sometimes it's a struggle. Yeah. You gotta be on it, man. So in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, and don't, don't bring it up yet, but 
Here the prophets come to Elisha, the, the school of prophets. They say, dude, you know, we've outgrown our little house, and, and we need to get bigger. We, we, will you go with us? We want you to come with us. And, and Elisha said, yes, go ahead and do it. And so they begin to build a bigger school of prophets. They want to expand. They want to enlarge. They want more uh, students. They, they want to be able to reach the land for God. How I many know we want to reach the land for God? So in 2 Kings chapter 6, Verse 4, so Elisha went with them, and as they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. And so they're cutting down trees, and you go take it off for a second. And how many know, guys, how many know we can get competitive? And so they're cutting trees, and I'm sure there was a competition going on. And so as one of them is chopping and chopping, all of a sudden, the, the Bible says, and where, where am I at? I lost it. Where, where, what the heck happened here? And so, but as one of was felling or, 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 or cutting a log, his axe had fell into the water. Here, the young man was working, and all of a sudden, things change. And I want to call it his frustration. Because how many know sometimes we're laboring for God? The work of God is moving. We're excited. We're, we're cutting down trees. We're, 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 we're getting down. And, and he, he's cutting down trees. And suddenly, his axe head flies off the handle and lands in the river besides him. And immediately, he lost his cutting edge. We use that expression... He lost his cutting edge, but literally here, he lost his cutting edge. And he lost his cutting edge. And I believe that there's men and women here tonight that have paid the price to go on with God. At one time, you were excited about what God was doing in your life. At one time, you were excited about watching souls get saved, new converts. You were excited about young people getting saved. You've seen souls saved. You've seen people get involved in ministry. Everything was going well. And all of a sudden, things changed. You lost your cutting edge. You lost that thing that you used to do to cut off things that begin to come against you, that, that, that begin to pile up and stop the flow of God in your life. And some of you have thought for years, how do I recover that cutting edge? See, the cutting edge to me tonight is the presence of God. It's the anointing of the Spirit of God. It is that, that, that you are powerful to do something that, that you're not powerful enough to do without the Spirit of God. You're not able to do it on your own strength. See, we look at this man as he's laboring. Him and the axe become one. Isn't that right? How I many know we are laborers together with God? I can't operate myself. By myself. How many know, per se, per this, how many know God can't operate by himself? He can't function without the axe, and the axe is useless without the man. 
And because he lost his cutting edge, the work of God has stopped. Are you all with me tonight? I know everybody's looking at me like, what are you talking about, Pastor? Maybe I missed, I lost my cutting edge. (laughs) See, if you would be brutally honest tonight, you would say to yourself, you know what? There was a time when, when I was more effective than I am tonight. There's a time when I saw souls saved. There's a time when I used to stand outside the grocery store and just witness and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was a time when I believed I was called. There's a time when I knew I was going to be a missionary or I was going to go do something powerful for God. But today, I've lost that cutting edge. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says, if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. And because you've used more strength, you've worn yourself out. I remember when I first got out here, maybe a couple years after I got here, I remember uh, asking one of the, Adam, Adam, my, my son-in-law's mom, uh, she was having this big tree removed. And so I said, hey, you know what? I need some firewood. Can, can you tell him to come, you know, just bring a couple of logs and, and, and put them in my yard. I'll take care of them. And so when I get home, the guy cut down the whole tree and came and dumped it in my front yard. <laughs> I said, a couple. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? I'm telling, as my wife, the whole yard was full of, of tree cut down. I mean, they were about that, that big and, and real round like that. I'm like, what the heck? I said, is this what you call a couple? <laughs> What's a lot? And so, and so I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I called. I said, can they come get it? He goes, no, the guy's gone. And I'm like. Dear God, what am I going to do? So I went and got my axe. went to the garage, got my axe. I started chopping. I was like, wow, this is fun. And I mean, after half an hour, I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> this is a lot of wood. And so what I did, you know, I said, man, you know what? I have a lot of young people in the church. And I'm sure, you know, they're from L.A. They probably have never chopped wood before. I said, this is a good discipleship-making lesson. So I went, I started calling all these young people. I had like 10, 15 young people out there, boys and girls, young men and young women. And I'm showing them the proper way. You spread your legs, you grab the axe, you swing it up, and then you, you square yourself and then just come down. And, and so then they got in the competition who could split the logs in two with one swing. But after a while, the axe started getting dull. And now they were chopping three or four times and the doggone, the axe was getting stuck and they couldn't get it out and they throw it down in frustration. Forget this. How many know we get frustrated with God? Say, you know what? Forget this. Pastor Omar preached an eloquent sermon on Sunday. How many men do we know like that that were called by God that came to this very church and are no longer here today because they got frustrated? We sharpened the axe. I said, here you go, boys. I said, remember, see, here's the lesson of discipleship. Always sharpen your instruments. And then they started chopping it down, man, and they were back back in the competition, and, and they were doing great 
But uh, I, I want to move on. His, his, his desperation and his desperation. So the axe goes into water. And his response is in, in 2 Kings uh, 6, 4. And he cried out, I lost my master. It was borrowed. See, that is the response that God is looking for. He did not get busy doing something else and pretending, hey, I'm okay, I'm fine. How many know we can get embarrassed when we mess up? We don't want to admit it. We don't want to acknowledge that we've lost the cutting edge. And actually, in pretending, eventually what happens is we begin to pull away and we begin to make excuses. We begin to make excuses why I can't be in children's church or nursery this week. Why I can't usher. We begin to call our, our leaders on Friday. Hey, I can't come tonight. I can't be there. We start missing church slowly on Sundays and, and Wednesdays. We begin to slowly pull away from the very place that God brought us to to save us. See, we begin to get busy in the things outside the church to distract us from our failures and from our shortcomings. Thank God this man doesn't do that. Instead, he cries out. And this is what God is looking for tonight, uh, an acknowledgement of need. His cry is in proportion to that thing he lost. How many ever lost a penny, a quarter? How many cry out? <laughs> you don't cry out. Not, no big deal. But how many know, women, if you lose a diamond on your ring, how many know you're going to be crying out? I miss you My husband's going to kill me. <laughs> because how many know your cries are proportion to that thing you lost? And see, this meant something to him. It meant something to him. It was borrowed. That's even worse. Have you ever lost something that was borrowed? <laughs> something that had been entrusted to you. I lost my master. I lost it. I've lost things. Had to call up brother. Is the spirit of love working in your life right now? Because <laughs> I got some bad news to tell you. Oh, I hate losing something that has been loaned to me or, or something that has been entrusted to me. How many know you and I do not own the Holy Spirit? But how many know that we have been entrusted with that gift? It's not your gift in a sense of ownership, but we are stewards. And what we do with the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, one day we're going to have to give an account. And here's a man, he has to give an account. This was not his axe. Yes, I used it. Yes, it was effective in my hands for that period of time. But we've lost that which was entrusted to us. And then we move on to his confession. Let's listen to 
Listen as he goes to his master and says in, in, in the end of verse 4 and, and starting in, in verse 5, he says, Alas, my master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? So where did you lose it? Where, well, how did you lose it? Where, where, where? And, and the Bible goes on to say, And he showed him the place. See, he knew exactly where and when and how he lost it. And there are people here tonight that you know exactly where you lost it. It was that night that you stayed up a little bit too long on that internet. And you begin to click on things that you know you shouldn't have clicked. It was that day that, that, that you know, that they've been flirting with you, flirting, but this day you let it go a little bit further. It was that day that you were out of town and you say, you know what? No one's going to see me. And it wasn't water. <laughs> it was that one day. You know, you, know, you know what day it was. See, the Bible's full of stories like that. Stories of, of men that, that know where they lost it and, and they lost the, 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 the anointing and the power of God that was working in their lives. Uh, Samson lost it uh, when he gave in to Delilah. Jonah lost it when he disobeyed the Lord. Solomon lost it when he married foreign wives. Pastors, I mean, I can't marry, marry foreign No, Yeah, it was a little bit different what you're talking about here. Demas lost it when he fell back in love with the world. See, the Bible is full of men that, that at one time were on fire for God, that, that, that were anointed of God. They were part of, of God's revival river, changing lives around them. But because they lost the cutting edge, they stopped cutting away that junk that was hindering God and the flow of God in their lives. It began to accumulate, and we're no longer seeing them around today. See, somewhere we have to be brutally honest. I know where I lost it. I stopped. I, I lost it when I stopped reading the Word of God. I lost it when I stopped praying and doing devotionals. I lost it when I wouldn't forgive that brother or sister in the church when they did me wrong. You're still holding on to a grudge a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. And you haven't felt the anointing of God in that long. See, whatever the reason is, we all have our reasons for losing it. It grieved the Holy Spirit. It quenched the Spirit. I'm not, I know I'm not the only person that feels that way today. But the key is acknowledging it and confessing it. And I want to look on here real quickly at his provision in 2 Kings 6.6. 6. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there and he made the iron float. When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and he applied that old rugged cross to that water. It's amazing. 
Remember when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and they came to the waters of Marah and they complained because the, they couldn't drink the water because it was bitter. And, and Moses, you know, he cut a, a stick down and, and that, that, that old rugged cross, he threw it on the water and it became drinkable. See, it doesn't make sense to the natural mind how a stick, that old rugged cross, can change our circumstances so drastically. That makes something that is otherwise impossible. How can wood make iron float? It doesn't make sense to the natural mind. It doesn't make sense to the world. How I can come to church and ask for forgiveness and have total and complete restoration. It doesn't make sense to them how a broken marriage is so broken when they come to church and as they apply the cross, as they, as they put it on Jesus, that God begins to move and to heal and convert and change that marriage. All because I applied the cross to my situation. I applied the cross to that bitterness. See, whatever it is tonight, it's just saying, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Cleanse me, Lord. I need to get that thing back that I lost. This is where I lost it. This is the place I lost it. But somebody else paid the price so I can get it back. See, he doesn't take the stick. Somebody else took the stick for him. Thank God, again, that somebody else died on that cross for my sins, for your sins. I want to close as the musicians make their way up here tonight. I want to, one final thing, the restoration. Because there's one thing, this, one more thing that this man has to do. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 7, therefore he said, pick it up for yourself. In other words, the prophet doesn't take it up for him. It's floating, it's there. And all he has to do is reach down and pick it up. And can I tell you tonight, beloved, that's where faith comes in. That I can come up to this altar and Jesus, the, the blood that he shed on Calvary's cross, uh, that I can have that assurance uh, that I can come up here in faith and say, God, forgive me, and he cleanses me of all my sins. It's powerful that no matter how messed up I am, no matter how I've deceived other people to thinking I'm something I'm not, that I can come up here and God will forgive me. Amen. Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. See, Jesus Christ will not just hand it back to you in that sense, but you by faith have to come believing that if you confess your sins, that he'll forgive them. You have to reach out in faith and believe, God, I want 
back that thing I lost. And I want to tell you, he wants to give you back that joy. He wants to give you back that peace. He wants to give you back that calling. He wants to give you back that vision. He wants to restore what the devil has destroyed from your life. And in verse 7, he says, so he reached out his hand and took it. And I'm wondering tonight how many will be honest with God and say, God, I want to grab it. I want to grab it. I want it back for my life. I want it for my life. God, I know there's a calling in my life. I don't want to hinder the river that's flowing from heaven. God, I want to be jump in and I want to be part of the revival that's going to happen in these last days. God, I want to do what I can do. I don't want to be the dam. I want to be that person that just flows with the water and sees the healing power of God all around me. That's what we have tonight, church. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.